Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning and welcome to Manna for Breakfast. Beautiful morning here. You know, I haven't even checked the temperature. Let's see. It is a beautiful morning here, and the temperature is 71 degrees. There was a low of 63. Really nice, uh, nice evening <laughs> with the windows open. And interestingly enough, as Renee was reminding me, no mosquitoes. Um, that's a true blessing in this town. If you can have that you got the perfect world. It really is kind of a paradise when you don't have to deal with those pesky mosquitoes. They love me. They look for their morning and evening meal on my legs. But um, it's okay. we got countermeasures. Anyway, let's uh, look at this day in history. And there's some interesting things I picked up this morning. One that I always wondered about, maybe you did too, is where did the, the name, the title, and the symbols of Bluetooth come from? We all use Bluetooth, right, on our headsets and everything else. Remember the first time I heard that phrase, I was like, what is that? It was very r- weird. Well, it's uh, ancient and probably very pagan. <laughs> probably, I don't know for a fact. But the communication protocol is named after Harold Bluetooth Gorsman. The king of Norway in 935 AD, I believe, to 970. His nickname is probably derived from the fact that his teeth had a bluish color. The creators of Bluetooth technology chose to identify with him because he united Norway and Denmark, much like Bluetooth unifies computers, all cell phones, and all hardware. The Bluetooth logo consists of the Nordic runes, R-U-N-E-S, for his initials. I assume a rune is a symbol. Uh, The Bluetooth logo consists of these symbols of his initial H and B. So you see these two different symbols for Bluetooth, and that's it, H and B. Uh, And they combine, I guess. Yeah, that's what they do. I think they combine the two and come up with that weird symbol. So there you go. I didn't know that, but that's Bluetooth. Famous quote of the day, instead of saying, I don't have time, try saying, it isn't a priority. (laughs) Or the other way, you'd say, I'm too lazy. (laughs) Maybe not. Um, Let's see. The first long-distance demonstration of television was in 1927 when um, the Bell Laboratories produced a picture or broadcast from Washington, D.C. to New York, a distance of 200 miles. Not Not that far these days, for sure. Uh, Over a telephone line, and it was the speech of Secretary of Commerce, Herbert Hoover, in which he stated, Today we have, in a sense, the transmission of sight for the first time in world's history. Human genius has now destroyed the impediment of distance in a new respect and in a manner hitherto unknown. 
1927 was actually the first long-distance TV broadcast. And a sad one, many of us remember this, a nuclear submarine sinks April 7, 1989. A Soviet nuclear-powered submarine carrying two nuclear torpedoes catches fire and sinks 150 miles off the coast of Norway. 42 crew members were killed while at a depth of 1,000 feet. An electrical fire started in the engine room. Even though they had watertight doors and they were shut, the fire burned through the bulkhead of the cable penetrations, which caused the nuclear reactor to scramble and propulsion was lost. They blew the ballast tanks, were able to surface and abandon ship, but many of the crew died from inhaling the toxic gas that was emitted. 42 of the 69 crewmen died, and the, the submarine then subsequently sank back down to over one mile deep, and the nuclear reactor and the two nuclear torpedoes are still there to this day at the bottom of the ocean there's been some movies about that if you you go down and steal you know sink a sub and go steal the nuclear uh, warheads quite a popular theme in movies but nobody is willing to go one mile deep to get those so that's good the iran hostage crisis on this day is when the when the u.s breaks diplomatic relations with iran now what's weird about this is that the 63 Americans were taken from the U.S. Embassy the previous November. You have November, December, January, February, March, April. Yeah, six months. It took them six months to break off uh, diplomatic relations. Mm, That seems quite a while. And here's a great one. Matches were invented. The first match goes on sale and invented by English chemist John Walker. And I could say that was probably um, also the first... (laughs) First kid to burn his fingers with a match was that same year. Don't you know? They're all going to grab it and try them out. And that does it for that. Let's look over at the dad jokes. And I still can't get my laugh track to work on my new setup, but I'm working on it. So let's try this one. I asked the IT guy, how do you make a motherboard? He says, I tell her about my job. <laughs> A motherboard. Yes, well, that would work, huh? What do you call it when James Bond takes a bath? <laughs> Bubble 07. <laughs> okay. That, that one's a new one. That one's definitely a new one for me. So we are now ready to get into the word. Joshua chapter 4, going through Joshua chapter 6. And uh, we need to be praying for... Uh, Tony and Bernice and the kids, they are on a jet plane. They probably still flying. They left yesterday afternoon and they're going all the way to Cambodia. So I don't, he said it was a 26 hour flight, something like that. It was a long and they have a big layover somewhere. So we'll be praying for them. Father God, thank you for this morning and thank you for guiding and directing us. And and we do ask you to guide us in your word. And we just want to lift up this wonderful family that's traveling for your safety, God, for safety. And also, God, just a great family time that they have fun remembering uh, the flight as kids 
grow up and they remember those long trips with their parents and just make it a, a wonderful trip. And also, God, give them ministry opportunities. We just pray you have tons of people ask them on the plane, where are you going, why are you going, and why are you doing what you're going to do, and open up doors of, of ministry opportunity. Father, I remember when I went over to Europe to be a missionary on a ship, how, how you just opened up the door to speak to a guy sitting next to me for, for it seemed like a, an hour or two about ministry and about the Lord. And, and who knows, maybe he's, uh, in heaven, he's got saved and in heaven today. We don't know. But thank you for what you're doing with them and continue to do the same in us. In Jesus' name, amen. And for the rest of you joining us, and if you're traveling, pray for your safety as well. This is the Easter week, and a lot of us may be journeying to see family. Don't know, but we we got a full town right now. It's getting crazy out there, so we've got to pray for it. Calm. And we'll pray at the end, too, but what's going on on the Temple Mount and in Jerusalem, and again, the missiles, anytime you get around Easter and uh, Ramadan, all that stuff, things get really, really crazy over there. So, Father, thank you for this time. Just guide us again in your word, in Jesus' name. Joshua chapter 4. Now, when all the nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Take for yourselves twelve men from the people, one man from each tribe, and command them, saying, Take up for yourselves twelve stones from here out of the middle of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet are standing and carry them over with you and lay them down in the lodging place where you will lodge tonight. Joshua called the 12 men whom he had appointed from the sons of Israel, one man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, cross again to the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan and each of you take up his stone on his shoulders according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Israel. Let this be a sign among you, so that when your children ask later, saying, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall say to them, Because the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off, so these stones shall become a memorial to the sons of Israel forever. Thus the sons of Israel did as Joshua commanded and took up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, just as the Lord spoke to Joshua according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Israel. And they carried them over with them to the lodging place and put them down there. Then Joshua set up 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan at the place where the feet of the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant were standing. And they are there to this day. For the priests who carried the Ark were standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything was completed that the Lord had commanded Joshua to speak to the people according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. And the people hurried and crossed. And when all the people had finished crossing, the ark of the Lord and the priests crossed before the people. The sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh crossed over in battle array before the sons of Israel, just as Moses spoke to them. About 40,000 equipped for war crossed for battle before the Lord in the desert plains of Jericho. On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel so that they revered him just as they had revered Moses all the days of his life. Now, the Lord said to Joshua, command the priests who carry the ark of the testimony that they come up from the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priests saying, come up from the Jordan. 
And it came about when the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord had come up from the middle of the Jordan, and the soles of the priest's feet were lifted up to the dry ground, that the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and went over all its banks as before. Now the people came up from the Jordan on the tenth of the month and camped at Gilgal on the eastern edge of Jericho. Those twelve stones which they had taken from the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. He said to the sons of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What are those stones? Then you shall inform your children, saying, Israel crossed this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed, just as the Lord your God had done to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until he had crossed. That all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, so that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Chapter 5. Now it came about when the king of the Amorites, who was beyond the Jordan, to the west, and all of the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard how the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan before the sons of Israel until they had crossed, that their hearts melted, and there was no spirit in them any longer. Because of the sons of Israel, at that time the Lord said to Joshua, Make for yourselves flint knives and circumcise again the sons of Israel a second time. And Joshua made for himself flint knives and circumcised the sons of Israel at Gibeath Haraloth. This is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt, who were males, all the men of war, died in the wilderness along the way after they came out of Egypt. For all the people who came out were circumcised, but all the people who were born in the wilderness along the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the sons of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness until all the nation, that is, the men of war who came out of Egypt, perished because they did not listen to the voice of the Lord, to whom the Lord had sworn that he would not let them see the, the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers to give them a land flowing with milk and honey. Their children, whom he raised up in their place, Joshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised because they had not circumcised them along the way. Now, when they had finished circumcising all the nation, they remained in their places in the camp until they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So the name of the place is called Gilgal to this day. While the sons of Israel camped at Gilgal, they observed the Passover on the evening of the 14th day of the month on the desert plains of Jericho. On the day after the Passover, on the very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened cakes, and parched grain. The manna ceased on the day after they had eaten some of the produce of the land. So the sons of Israel no longer had manna. But they ate some of the yield of the land of Canaan during the year. Now it came about when Joshua was in Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, a man was standing opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No, rather, I indeed come now as captain of the host of the Lord. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and bowed down and said to him, 
What is my Lord to say to a servant? The captain of the, of the Lord's host said to Joshua, Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Chapter 6. Now Jericho was tightly shut because of the sons of Israel. No one went out and no one came in. The Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with his king and the valiant warriors. You shall march around the city, all the men of war circling the city once. You shall do so for six days. Also, seven priests shall carry seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. Then on the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall be that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout. All the walls of this city shall fall down flat, and the people will go up every man straight ahead. So Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, and let seven priests carry the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. Then they said to the people, Go forward and march around the city, and let the armed men go on before the Ark of the Lord. And it was so that when Joshua had spoken to the people that seven priests carrying the seven trumpets of the ram's horns before the Lord went forward and blew the trumpets and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. The armed men went before the priests who blew the trumpets and the rear guard came after the ark while they continued to blow the trumpets. But Joshua commanded the people saying, you shall not shout nor let your voice be heard, nor let the, a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I tell you, shout, then you shall shout. So they had the ark of the Lord taken around the city, circling it once. Then they came into the camp and spent the night in the camp. Now Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord and seven priests carrying the seven trumpets of the ram's horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew the trumpets and the armed men went before them, and the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord while they continued to blow the trumpets. Thus the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did so for six days. Now on the seventh day they arose early in the morning on the day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. Only on that day they marched around the city seven times. At the seventh time, when the priests blew the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The city shall be under the ban, and all that is in it belongs to the Lord. Only Rahab and the harlot and all who are with her in her house shall live, because she hid the messengers whom we sent. But as for you, only keep yourselves from the things under the ban, so that you do not covet them or take some of the things under the ban and make the camp of Israel accursed and bring trouble on it. But all the silver and the gold and the articles of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord. They shall go into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted, and the priests blew the trumpets. And when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted with a great shout, and the wall fell down flat, so that the people went up into the city, every man straight ahead, and they took the city. They utterly destroyed everything in the city, both men and women, 
young and old, ox and sheep and donkey, with the edge of the sword. Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, Go into the harlot's house and bring the woman and all she has out of there as you have sworn to her. So the young men who were spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and her brothers and all she had. They also brought out all her relatives and placed them outside the camp of Israel. They burned the city with fire and all that was in it, only the silver and the gold, the articles of bronze and iron, put they put into the treasure of the house of the Lord. However, Rahab the harlot and her father's household and all she had, Joshua spared and She has lived in the midst of Israel to this day, for she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Then Joshua made them take oaths at that time, saying, Cursed before the Lord is the man who raises up and builds the city Jericho. With the loss of his firstborn, he shall lay its foundation, and with the loss of his youngest son, he shall set up its gates." So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame was in all the land. It's interesting in Second Kings, when we were just reading about that, that there was a king later on, much later on, named Heel, H-E-I-L, however you pronounce that, who uh, tried to rebuild the city, and uh, both his sons died. His firstborn and secondborn, I guess, and anyway, so that curse came true. But let's look at the, the story of them crossing over into the land. Isn't it interesting that they cross over by faith? He explains to them, look, now that we are crossing over, take these stones, you're going to put 12 in the river, you're going to take 12 and put them over here in Gilgal. This is as a memorial to all those who would later look back and go, ah, that was just a tale. That was just made up. You guys never had, the water never dried up for you. Obviously it did because they had, these memorial stones that they were all to remember and go back every time they pass by and always remind their children. So important to re- to have milestones, we might call it, or memorial stones in your life so that you can point back and show your kids. Um, and they don't really have to be physical. It's helpful, but to say, you know, there was a time in my life, there's something that happened that that where I chose to follow God in faith. And, you know, this is what God did. He did this amazing thing in my life and confirmed to me that he was Lord over all, that he was Lord of my life. So there's, it's good to help your kids remember and remind, remind them of what he did in your own family and how he provided for you in all these different times. And, and, um, and he's always faithful for his protection, his provision. But anyway, they, they do this and they set this up and they go to Gilgal. Something bizarre happens in Gilgal. <laughs> Only God would, would do this because no military leader would do this. Remember, they are they were shaken in their boots because of these giants. Don't ever forget that. They had seen Og. And try, just try and imagine seeing a person twice your height, more than twice your height, and broad, twice or three times your width massive just i mean take you out with one swing of their club you would be history and they're going in to fight in a, a, a number of these we we don't per se know that there were armies of them but there was a number of them mixed in with the armies probably more like goliath along with the army there just one guy amongst many but there was probably many 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 more at that time by the time we get to david and goliath they had all been killed off but a few and they know they're going to face these guys, plus the uh, just the, the vast number of armies. And they cross over miraculously, 
Now, that was important because God opened up the sea just to show him, look, I am leading you. I am here. You can see my power. So that would have been extremely helpful. But what does Joshua do? He says, okay, now I'm going to circumcise you all. Where? On the west side of the Jordan, not on the east side, not when they were protected and safe, more or less, but they enter into the land and become the most vulnerable they've ever been as an army. Remember what happened there at Shechem when the when uh, Dinah's violated and the brothers say, look, we'll make a pact with you, but all you guys got to get circumcised. And because they were flat out on their backs trying to heal on that third day, they came in and wiped them out and they couldn't fight. So it means that the circumcision is, makes the soldier extremely vulnerable and extremely weak. So this would not be the right military strategy to do when you're entering into the enemy territory. <laughs> That's just bizarre. But this is exactly what Joshua does because the Lord is showing him that it's uh, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. God's Holy Spirit was the one doing the battle, and that's why the commander of the the, the host uh, of of heaven shows up. And I find this fascinating too, because Moses we always see tended to have the face to face with Yahweh. Although you have these areas where he's on the mountain and he sees him physically, and so there's there's a lot of reference there could be. Christ incarnate, but more than not, he seems to be having conversations with the with Yahweh God in in his glory, in the cloud, in the smoke, and different things. But Joshua encounters this more descriptively physical being from heaven. And we know it's not just a normal angel. This commander of the Lord's host is not just a normal angel because it says, take off your sandals, the place in which you're standing is holy ground. Uh, this is what Moses was to do when he met God at the burning bush. When you're in the presence of God himself, you are in a holy place. And of course, the angels never never would allow any kind of uh, adoration or, or worship of themselves. They were just messengers. But this commander of the Lord's host did so this is why we believe it's Jesus, which is so amazing because Jesus is now showing up in the promised land to Joshua, walking by faith and saying, now I'm ready. I'm going to give you the land. He has, he's showing them that he is the commander. They are strong, even though they're at their weakest point. And what do we get in the New Testament whole concept, the whole teaching we get? As Paul, you know, uh, Paul was saying, in, in my weakness, God is made strong, basically, um, that God can be glorified through our weakness and use our weakness and can use us no matter. So we are to walk by faith and not by sight and not depending or relying on our own strength, but we rely on God. And then, of course, God does use them. They do heal. And it's not that they were not to be valiant and warriors and be strong for the Lord. We are to be strong for the Lord, but to be strong through his power and his strength and in his timing, too. So it's in their timing. And then we have this beautiful illustration of March around the city with the, with the ark. There's so many things we could talk about that. But essentially, 
they wanted these people behind those walls to see that who the <laughs> captain of the Lord of Hosts was or what was doing battle against them or who was doing battle against them. It was not the soldiers. It was God's presence with them. Now, they're trembling behind the walls. Remember, they've heard all the stories, and they now know that, that the, the presence of God over that ark separated the Jordan. They had their spies. They had their people. They, see, they saw all this. They know it's true. And they're more fearful of Yahweh almost than their own soldiers, than Israel's own soldiers, because they're like, we don't want to deal with this God. And so they see it every day, and you, you see this just, and what are they doing? Blowing the horns, worshiping God. It's not about our military strategy. It's just about keeping focused on the worship of God. We're just going to keep focusing on the worship of God, worship of God. Going to keep focused there. And when God's time is ready, he'll do the work. And, of course, that's what happened. They sound the trumpet, again in worship, uh, yielding themselves to the Lord completely, and he brought the walls down. And there is the spiritual truth in that. When you're fighting spiritual battles, you have to do it in the Lord's timing and his strength. And boy, do I know that is a tough, tough, tough thing to do. You have to wait on him, keep worshiping, and keep your eyes focused on him. Know he's in your midst. And then in the, the right time, he'll call you to make some kind of shout, some kind of, so I don't know, just worship, lift up your hands and praise him and watch him bring the walls down, the walls of some type of resistance to something that is coming against you. And he'll let you go in and take the victory, however that plays out. Luke chapter 9, and it happened that while he was praying alone, the disciples were with him, and he questioned them, saying, Who do the people say that I am? And they answered and said, John the Baptist, and others, Elijah, but others, that one of the prophets of old has risen again. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Peter answered and said, the Christ of God. But he warned them and instructed them not to tell this to anyone, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. And as he was saying to them all, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. And whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. For what is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and the holy angels. But I say to you truthfully, there are some of those standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Verse 28. Some eight days after these sayings, he took along Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face became different and his clothing became white and gleaming. And behold, two men were talking with him and they were Moses and Elijah who appearing in glory were speaking of his departure which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions had been overcome with sleep, but when they were fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with them. 
And as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah, not realizing what he was saying. While he was saying this, a cloud formed and began to overshadow them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. Then the voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent and reported to no one in those days any of the things which they had seen. And this is the phenomenal and beautiful scene of Jesus' transfiguration, and I believe a direct answer to what Jesus said, that some of you here will not die until you see the kingdom of God. And eight days later, they see it, and eight is the, is the number of new beginning. And so eight days later, Jesus says, this is your new beginning. This is where I'm taking you as a church. You are going to be glorified as I am going to be glorified. I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to die. I'm going to raise up and be glorified. This is what I'm going to look like. This is so for you guys to know the reality of the resurrection, which, praise God, we're celebrating this week. And they were to know and understand this, and they were to be uh, witnesses to this. The funny thing is, is with all this going on, they still kind of miss the big picture. They see it, and they go, yes, this is Jesus is king, he's glorified, and we're seeing him how, how he is, how he's going to be in his kingdom, but they're not able to fully process the cross as we find out with Peter next. And, you know, these things that are going on, just having a hard time, they don't want to think about it. And we often do that when people are tell us the truth, something's going to happen, it's so overwhelming, so sad, or whatever, we just don't want to, we don't want to accept it. And they can try and keep telling you, but you don't want to accept it. <laughs> I remember, and it's, it's probably my fault. And this is just a tiny, tiny little minuscule thing, but I remember when I was uh, going overseas for two years as a missionary, I told my mom uh, what I felt was a number of times, you know, mom, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving and I'm going over for two years. I'll be serving over there in this ministry. And it wasn't until the very last week that I remember the day very well. My mom and dad took me out to lunch, have some barbecue you know, a good old Southwestern barbecue. And we were eating barbecue, and uh, my mom asked me again, so um, you're going to be back, right, in about a, in next year? You're going to be back, you know, by the, by Christmas? And I looked at her and said, no, Mom, I'm going for two years. Remember, I kept telling you. She had a panic attack. She said, no way. You never told me that. I, yeah, I did. Sorry, I did. Remember, you even signed the form. You read the whole thing. Anyway, this is amazing how some, sometimes we don't want to believe what someone tells us when they're going to leave. But in this case, just like Jesus said, I'm coming back. But the fact I was leaving it all was too much. She didn't want to think about it. So bless my mom. She's a great mom. She she wrote me. That really helped, actually. When she realized I was really leaving, she really started go, started taking seriously what I was going to do and started, started rising me. And, um, and long story short, my leaving probably God used for her to get saved is what we think about now. I think it. Uh, she had a long time to think about why I was doing what I was doing and, and why I was doing it, and uh, it seems like God ministered to her directly, and she, she yielded her heart to the Lord, we believe. So praise God. Uh, now, 
Charles Spurgeon, and all people of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of thee. Deuteronomy 28.10. That really dovetails nice into what we just read. Then we can have no reason to be afraid of them. This would show a mean spirit, to be a token of unbelief rather than of faith. God can make us so like himself that men shall be forced to see that we rightly bear his name and truly belong to the holy Jehovah. Oh, that we may obtain this grace which the Lord waits to bestow. Be assured that ungodly men have a fear of true saints. They hate them. But they also fear them. Haman trembled because of Mordecai, even when he sought the good man's destruction. In fact, their hate often arises out of a dread, which they are too proud to confess. Let us pursue the path of truth and uprightness without the slightest tremor. Fear is not of us, but for those who do ill and fight against the Lord of hosts. If indeed the name of the eternal God is named upon us, we are secure. For as of old, a Roman had but to say, Romanus sum, I am a Roman. And he could claim the protection of all the legions of the vast empire. So everyone who is a man of God has omnipotence as his guardian. And God will sooner empty heaven of angels than leave a saint without defense. Be braver than lions for the right, for God is with you. What a beautiful, beautiful devotional thought in the days that we're looking at ahead with many challenges and many haters of God that are coming against the church. And let's continue to keep that in the forefront of our minds and be praying that one for each other, especially as we go into difficult circumstances in our workplaces or the different countries we're going to um, and the different um, people we're going to encounter. Well, Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the beauty of the the words we read this morning and the intensity, God, of the passion of our Lord and Savior dedicated going to the cross as we celebrate that this day. It's a very, very special day as he put his face completely committed to going to the cross and he spoke to his disciples and told them why. That it would be for our own benefit that we could then enter in and be a part of his kingdom that is glorified and is perfect. And it brings us back to the original plan which God has always had for the entire world. So he said it was necessary that he must suffer and die so that he then could be raised up and we then could be a part of his kingdom. So we celebrate this day, God. We thank you for this beautiful, beautiful day. It is a sad day, but it's a glorious day. It is a day that Jesus committed himself to so that we might have life. And so in that, there's a great joy. There's a great hope. And we ask God that we be emboldened now as we heard Charles Spurgeon say that we are the ones that the world truly does fear because we stand with the power of the great omnipotent God and we are his and we're a part of his army 
But more than anything, God, we want to conquer by his love. We want to conquer by his grace and his mercy and and have that be our battle cry and have people then surrender to that. So thank you, God, for the way that you continue to work in the hard hearts of men and continue to reach out and give them that second and third opportunity and chance. You, you're not willing that any should perish. So as the we draw close to these last days, may you continue to bring in the harvest. May this be a phenomenal year of you bringing in new people into the kingdom. And we pray, God, for your safety of those in Jerusalem right now and those uh, dealing with the difficult decisions that are going, what's going up on the Temple Mount. And we know, God, that the tensions are rising and that the missiles are flying. We just ask that you give the government there a lot of wisdom because they're they get criticized if they defend themselves. They get criticized if they attack and, and uh, to prevent further war. So, God, we just ask for wisdom there, as well as the Ukraine war, which is completely ridiculous and spiraling out of control. God, we ask there to be some kind of resolve there. And, and thank you for holding your hand back on China, who is always on the verge of attacking and trying to take over the East and now the West through this covert operations. God, we ask you hold the, the whole hand of the communism and through China back that we could have at least one more opportunity to see the world come to know you before your student son return for us. So we just hold these things out to you. Ask for your strength, God, for the church, that you make us mighty in our faith so that we continue to, to share your gospel. And for those that are needing healing, God, you continue to touch and heal, specifically Kim and the kids that need so much right now. Thank you for the today as we celebrate you, the mission with communion. May you bless that also, um, that you would bless Sunday, that we might all be joyful and that you might bring in new people, that people might be saved and that and that we be able to just celebrate your resurrection as a body. And thank you for everyone that'll be celebrating up in Canada, the United States and wherever other other country and place they're listening, God. May you bless their families and help us to realize the specialness and the and the importance of this day as the world tries to downplay this day. May we magnify it and glorify you in all that we do. In Jesus' name. So there you go. Thank you, guys. And we will be, of course, live on Sunday morning. But hopefully you will have a place to go physically, celebrate and with uh, people around you. But uh, we'll be live just in case you don't. And I know a lot of you don't specifically have a place to go. So you're welcome to spend it with us. And we will look forward to that. So keep uh, subscribing to whatever you're watching and check out the podcast. And I'm now getting on online church. I'm trying to keep a screen open in case anybody's chatting over there. I don't see anything today, but I am on Facebook. So when some of you have specific things, it's, I just want to say hi, or just say, hey, I got <laughs> I, I to go to the doctor for a checkup. Please pray. We'll try and do that. Okay, so we will continue to support one another and lift one another up. And like I said, Easter week is a great time to just offer this program with your friends that you know are kind of seeking and go, hey, why don't you try reading the Bible? Why don't you just try getting on in the morning with us as we read the Bible together and, and let God go before them. Let God lead them in, so to speak, to the promised land. All right, God bless you guys. We will see you again tomorrow. Bye-bye.